0: Nightwing takes on deadly technology in Nightwing, Volume 7, Bleeding Edge. Then we go back to the late 1950s with Superman, The Atomic Age Sundays, Volume 3, Straight Ahead. Welcome to the Classy Comics Podcast, where we search for the best comics in the universe. From Boise, Idaho, here is your host, Adam Graham. Well, we start off with Nightwing Volume 7 Bleeding Edge, which has a new writer in Benjamin Percy. And I previously read Percy's uh, work on Teen Titans, and I was. I kind of liked the first volume and then didn't care much about the second volume and stopped. So I wasn't sure what it was going to be like on Nightwing, but I think I enjoyed the direction overall. Um, we learned several things. First of all, uh Dick rides the subway and it's an opening where everybody is on their phones and suddenly, the phones uh, turn really deadly. Um, uh, it starts with an attack on the driver. And he has to separate them uh, from their phones in, and get them off the train before the phones uh, explode and would have killed them. But he does get them to safety. And uh, he sends one of them to Barbara Gordon, a.k.a. Batgirl, to analyze. And they have a phone call conversation, of course, as Oracle. Uh, Barbara is one of the uh, greatest techs in the DC universe. So she says she's a little weirded out by uh, Dick, who has gone really retro. He's you know gotten rid of his mp3 player and he's uh, uh, gone back to records and really pushed back through a lot of technology and she's even disappointed and uh, stunned that he has a landline and she says you know do you have an AOL account uh are you seventy? And uh, Dick replies that he's seventy-eight, which I thought was a really cute response, uh, because this of uh, story was originally published in the comics in two thousand eighteen, and Dick Grayson was uh, created in nineteen forty. Uh, so that's a, a nice touch. And I do like the nice contrast on this whole issue of technology uh, between uh, Barbara and Dick. Uh, and we also find out that Dick has a new uh, uh, client for his personal trainer business. And this is an interesting shift. If you'll recall when I did the last volume of uh, Nightwing, with, which was primarily by Sam Humphreys, I was a little skeptical about the idea of giving him this, uh, like, uh, business where he was teaching fitness classes. I thought that was kind of nuts. I think personal training, that actually could be a viable superhero, uh, career because you're working one-on-one with a specific client and you can schedule your personal training, uh, times outside of, you know, prime, uh, crime fighting, uh, time. And since you're just working with the one client, it's still got problems, you know, in terms of promoting a business and stuff. Uh, But I like the idea. But anyway, the client is William Cloak. And as we learn throughout the story, Cloak has invented uh, some new technology, uh, which allows people to create custom virtual uh, environments around them you know, so that they can just, you know, really manipulate their own environment to improve it, which offers a lot of opportunities, but there are also uh, plenty of potential downsides. At any rate, Dick finds the body of a mobster and finds implanted him one of these in the mobster one of these devices known as a phantasm machine and he takes it home to take it apart and study it which is kind of a dubious decision um because him first of all you know i think he's got some technical know-how with all of his espionage experience and things like that but it seems to me like he should be sending this off uh to barbara But at any rate, he uh, goes ahead and examines it. And in the course of examining it, this thing jumps on him, attacks him, and goes inside him near his heart. And the next thing he knows, he's waking up in bed beside uh, Barbara without a clear memory of what has uh, happened. And he goes about his day and goes through a lot of events, uh, but he meets Batgirl while he's out and then immediately returns to the apartment, and there Barbara is and then he knows that something is uh, up and he has to fight the uh, device um, and uh, there is uh, a uh, robot there that uh, is trying to take. Uh, the device that was in him out and that's willing to take it, but because it has been able to download his memories, uh, Dick is really at the nexus of so much going on in the DC universe and knows so much that it is really uh, dangerous for those to actually get out. However, uh, in the midst of Dick's fight with the machine, he is rescued, uh, by Barbara, who has a great entrance. And I do want to say Barbara Gordon as Batgirl is once again very well written here. And this is kind of becoming a recurring, uh, uh, pet peeve of mine about DC Comics, why Batgirl is written better in uh, every other comic other than the one that she's actually the star on. I also love the fact, you know, even though she's super competent, she has this really cute scene where she covers for uh, rescuing him by pretending that he's just a average ordinary citizen since he's not in costume because she doesn't want to blow his uh, secret identity there in Bloodhaven. At any rate, Cloak's company is having an event for release, and uh, Batgirl and Nightwing go down to confront him, and they're confronted by the terminals, which are these, uh, kind of, these shape-shifting uh, robots. They kind of call To mind, like the, uh, uh, some of the Terminator, uh, type robots, though a little bit more, uh, personality. It's probably one of the weaker points of this story, but, uh, they do pose a challenge, um, and, uh, Cloak is actually able to take over. He's been partially, uh, bionicized, and of course he's, you know, interfaced with this, but Nightwing's able to talk him back. Uh, but then they are able to drag him away through one of these electronic devices, teleporting him, I believe, uh, to somewhere else. Uh, And uh, they eventually do come across... They come across the information that Bloodhaven was the first uh, uh, test site, and then they are going to go to Gotham. Before Nightwing can get to the business of uh, stopping them, uh, Batgirl in another great scene uh, goes ahead and uh, removes uh, the device uh, from his chest that had downloaded his memories, and it's going to study it. Uh, So they do get to Gotham. And Dick meets up with Vicki Vale, who's been a long time supporting character in the Batman uh, universe. And, uh, he runs into more terminals there. And, uh, they have also started some, uh, fake newscast, fake edutainment. To really distract and rile up people. Uh, it's kind of a dark dystopian take on, uh, where society is. I think it's really well done. It doesn't come cr- across as like very partisan or, uh, hackish. Um and, uh, it, uh, has this point w- where, uh, th- these, uh, news programs are done in a way that's, um it is, uh, thought-provoking. And as I said, it doesn't feel like, you know, one uh, political side or another is being picked on. So I do uh, like the way that they do that in here. Um, and, uh, also during the course of this uh when Dick is fighting a terminal uh Barbara actually interrupts the fight and solves everything uh by uh, hitting it with a truck and she's in, she assures him that she can access the information but she's essentially uh built a battle wagon for Dick. You know, essentially saying that you go back and forth enough between Gotham and Bloodhaven and other places that you need a mobile unit. And, uh, he, and it's just, it's a nice setup. And not only that, she's, uh, got him a new Nightwing cycle. And of course, she can do this because she owns her own green energy company, which has been, uh, successful in the DCU. And I guess she's working on Girlfriend of the Year uh, award. Uh, There's also in the course, you you do get to a fight between uh, Dick and the fake news creature. And it's really uh, well done and uh, creepy, uh, but we learn at the end of the fight that both cloak, and Vicky Vale have been uh, kidnapped, and uh, the organization has a demand, and it leads to uh, Dick uh, racing uh, in this uh, mo- like motocross race that's uh, held on this island where it's no holds barred and uh essentially the prize is that you're able to go to this altar and make a wish and the wish will be granted uh on this very remote island where there's no government no rules and it's just a matter of winning um with, no matter what it takes and there's some conflict there, not only, you know, because everybody else is going to be willing to, uh, kill just to get what they want, uh, but also because this, uh, organization wants to, uh, have Dick allow them to, uh, patch into the altar to hack it and to get that information. And so it's a, it's a really amazing concept, this idea of this, Massive uh, motocross race, and uh, during the course of this, Dick meets a really uh, interesting character who becomes an ally of his, uh, known as uh, the Silencer. I won't go into much more because the end of the book is definitely worth reading, and I I think I do tend to go into less spoilerish stuff when I really uh, enjoy the book and found it worth reading and don't feel a need to pick everything apart. This one is really good, and uh, uh, it uh, overall is a book I've read. Seven volumes of Nightwing now, and this one has been my favorite. Uh, it explores our concerns with technology, which, you know, in every era, uh those will be present. But I think it really strikes the right tone. Uh, it never feels like it's going over the top or... Uh, preaching or freaking out at people. It's exploring a potential possibility, which is what you'd really want science fiction to do. And it's important to think about these issues. It's raised in a really uh, in a fun way and also in a way that uh, does allow uh, for thought about the role that technology plays as well as potential pitfalls. And, uh, again, it never becomes, uh, too, uh, becomes preachy. I think the, uh, writing is great. The art is good too. It has some moments where it portrays some things that are a bit uh, disturbing or grotesque or frightening, but it never becomes gory. And I think that is a really important uh balance. You know, it's a book that'll give you a few creepy moments, but it's not going to give you nightmares at night or make you uh uh sick to your stomach looking at the art. So I think it uh, struck just the right balance for this book. So I will give this a, a rating of classy. Next up, we have Superman, The Atomic Age Sundays, Volume 3, 1956 to 1959. And I absolutely love uh, Superman comic strip uh, collections. It is the one type of book that I am definitely collecting and want to have every single volume uh, that comes out. One thing I like about how the Superman strips are done as opposed to how the uh, 1960s Batman strips or the later Spider-Man strips are done is that uh, there were actually two different stories that were running in Superman. Uh, you would have the, uh, an ongoing uh, story in the daily strips, uh, Monday through Saturday, And then a separate story in the Sunday strips. Uh, And that was nice because one thing with uh, having the um, uh, Sunday strip and the daily strips together is generally the way that they would write the story is uh it would be written in a way with uh Batman and other stories where the Sunday strip is essentially non-essential to following the story because some uh, newspapers are only going to get the daily strip. Uh so if you do have super if you had Superman in your Sundays and Superman in your uh Monday through Saturday, then you would be getting a relevant story every week. Uh, so this one collects, uh, Sun, uh, Sunday stories from 1956 to 59. Uh, 13 different stories. The art is mostly by Wayne Boring, uh, who is one of the all-time great, uh, Superman, uh, artists. And so the art is just great throughout this book. Now, this book is also a bit of a bridge. Um, the, at the beginning of the book, the, uh, the strips were edited by Whitney Ellsworth, and he took the approach of writing original stories for the newspaper strips. Uh, then the, uh, strip would come under Mort Weisinger, who preferred to take the tact of recycling material between the comic books and the newspaper strip. Which I think made sense at the time because very few readers of the uh, newspaper strips would uh, be readers of the comic book. Though I prefer the ones that are original. Um, I'm not going to go through all 13 stories. Many are pretty uh, familiar uh, Superman Golden Age or Silver Age Fair. But I'll talk about the ones that are most interesting. Uh, there's, and these are not ranked in any way. Uh, you've got, uh, a fat Superman where Superman returns, uh, to earth and he wakes up the next day and suddenly he is fat and he's gaining weight and he can't find a way to lose it. And he goes through all of these attempts at diets, asks for all of this help, goes to doctors and, uh, Mark Wade in the introduction uh, he points out that, uh, the Whitney Ellsworth was, uh, fat and had issues with it. And that is reflected, I think, in this particular story, but it's still a lot of fun. There's also a story where people are being taken, uh, uh onto other planets. Uh, they just all of a sudden, dis- sudden disappear from this exhibition And I like this one because Superman comes into the situation where there's a lot of panic and he brings calm and he's able to really work through and uh, figure out what needs to be done. And as it turns out, uh, these three humans have been drawn to other planets and he has to go to each planet and bring each human home. Uh, and it's a fun adventure, you know, and each one's kind of their own mini story. One of them was actually a crook and was manipulating the aliens on that world and uh, told them that Superman was actually uh, his enemy. And an evil man. And Superman's got to straighten all that out and get everybody back to Earth. You know, They don't really talk too much about how these guys are able to breathe in space as Superman's flying them home. But get them home, he does. And then there's a situation where you almost uh suspect that Mr. Mishpitalik is uh up to old tricks. As there is a lot of things being done that it seems like Superman is behind. But it actually turns out that this crook has got a genie to do his bidding. And Superman, who is vulnerable to magic, uh has got to find a way to fight them. And I like how he does it. He plays head games with the genie and comes up with just this really clever response. These stories are good, and I, I what I really like about them is it does show Superman and his intellectual strength. Uh, I think oftentimes in the comics, uh, particularly today, you have a, a situation where Superman is kind of treated as the guy who can hit things, but you really need to go to Batman for any sort of scientific help or any sort of reasoning at all. And I, I like the Uh, Idea of him having this super intelligent brain and making these uh, decisions and deductions. And then we have Superman battling the future men. The future men are uh, guys who come from the future. They've got uh, uniforms that say FBI on them and they're like from the FBI in the far future and they say that Superman escaped back into the past and uh, is actually a criminal, and they need to take him back. And, of course, they've got some nefarious uh, plan. And you have Superman remembering his origin story, and this is highlighted as the last uh, Golden Age Superman story uh, because he doesn't reference being Superboy, and that would, uh, that would be something that would become the go-forward for the Silver Age with him having memories of doing that. Then we also get the uh, story that shows us the introduction of Titano the ape, which is a small ape sent up uh, in a space program and returns to Earth and immediately starts to grow to gigantic size and also has kryptonite eyes. And so Superman and Lois have to figure out how they're going to defeat him. It's a pretty good story. Uh, the, the only one I'd say my least favorite, and I didn't not enjoy it uh, entirely, uh, was uh, The Eye of Metropolis, which was uh, about Clark having won an award, uh, being forced by Perry to go on this TV show, which was notorious for grilling and trying to expose its guests. And of course, the host is convinced that Clark Kent is Superman and is willing to go to ridiculous extremes to prove so. And essentially throughout, Clark avoids telling lies, but essentially delivers statements and does things that misleads people which, uh, you know, I think they decide in the comics and radio and other mediums to get away from Superman uh, telling direct lies and just have him avoid that. But it's kind of like, okay, he won't tell direct lies, but he will uh, deceive people. It, it really does seem like a... Uh, difference without a distinction. And I also thought, uh, even for a newspaper strip of Superman comics in the 1950s, the questioning and the methods were just way, way, way over the top. Plus, we've seen this type of story before, so this wasn't my favorite, but I don't think it was totally horrible either. Overall... I'll give Superman, The Atomic Age Newspaper Strips, Volume 3, a rating of classy. Uh, There are some really great stories in here and some pretty good ones as well. Uh, I enjoy uh, all of these uh, newspaper strip books. And this one is a really solid uh, collection of the Sunday stories. And of course, we're giving the more recent and modern uh, Nightwing, uh, Volume uh, 7, the Bleeding Edge, a great rating of Classy with just so many great elements and just a lot of energy and a very great portrayal of Batgirl. I really enjoyed that book. All right, well, that will do it for now. If you have a comment, email it to me, ClassyComicsGuy, at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at uh From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.